I invite your attention to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. If you have your Bibles uh, open to Ephesians 4, and if you're using the pew Bibles there with the hymnals uh, in the rack in front of you, the page number is indicated in the worship folder. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. And I want to take just a moment and bear testimony to you about the providence of God. Uh, I don't know if you realize it, you would have no reason to know this, but I usually do my annual sermon planning in August, which means that it was almost a year ago that I made plans as I felt led by the Lord to preach on this particular passage of Scripture. Um, And this is a Scripture that is one of the suggested readings from the Revised Common Lectionary, and it has so much to to share with us that uh, last August when I was putting my plans together, uh, I just felt impressed that uh, this would be a Scripture for us to look at, and here it is on Lord's Supper Sunday, and here it is a Sunday... uh, at this particular time in our congregation's life when we need to hear this word from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. And I invite you to stand as I read aloud from God's holy word. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in all. May God richly bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. You may be seated. Alexis de Tocqueville was a uh, French political writer. He spent quite a bit of time in the United States in the 1800s, and he did sort of a critique and a study of how successful democracy uh, was being in these young United States. Uh, De Tocqueville's writings are very much studied today because it was a careful observation of data available, of impressions of, of life in the U.S. De Tocqueville made an astute observation one time when he said that in the United States there are two competing impulses. He said, and, and one's almost as well, as strong as the other. He said, on the one hand, there is this impulse to, uh, in the United States for rugged individualism. I can make it myself. I can do it myself. I don't need anybody else. That's part of what makes America great. But he said, at the same time, there is this competing notion, this competing value and impulse in the America uh, that he studied of a sense of community, the need to belong, the need to be connected, the awareness that we need each other. Now, I don't know about you, but I think de Tocqueville's uh, analysis was very accurate, probably then, certainly now. We in America have both those notions running all the time, the rugged individualism, uh, the sense of community and belonging and connection. Uh, I think it's uh, in the U.S. today, but I also think that both of those have crept into the church. And I think it was in the church in Paul's day, the reason 
being that he had so much to say about becoming one. Though we are many, we are one. The, uh, the whole idea that, that out of our individualness, that individualness can never mutate into a sickness of me first, my way or the highway. It always has to be that sense of the community and belonging to one another. And so Paul, as Ken so beautifully pointed out, Paul just hammers this concept of one, one, one. I mean, he, he, he doesn't let up. Uh, he's all about that. So I want us to think about how it is that Paul says that we become one, though we are many. And, and with the Apostle Paul, it's always as interesting to study how he arrives at a conclusion as it is to study the fact that he arrived at that conclusion. In the very first verse of our reading, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord. And a, a very wise old preacher said one time, I've shared this with you before, uh, he said one time, any time in Scripture you see the word therefore, you need to look closely and see what the therefore is there for. Because when you see a therefore, it means based on what I've previously said, based on what has gone before, the therefore is there for a reason. And the first three chapters of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is building this beautiful case that the cosmic Christ has died for our sins, has been raised, and that we share this life in Christ. We have this relationship with God that is permanent. Our sins are forgiven. Our guilt is gone. There are new impulses and new energy within us to become what we could never become on our own. All of that, Paul says, because of that, therefore, and then he moves on and talks about what it means to become one. And he even says, therefore, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord. And, and commentators are quick to point out that Paul calls himself a prisoner in the Lord, not a prisoner of the Lord. The prepositions are important. He's not a prisoner of the Lord. He's a prisoner in Jesus Christ. That is to say, the Apostle Paul was always more concerned about what was going on inside of him than what was going on around him. One of the things that causes divisions in the body of Christ is when we become obsessed with those things swirling around us rather than paying attention to what Christ is doing in us. And when we become open and tuned in to what Christ is doing in us, then we become sensitive to what Christ is doing inside other believers and the oneness is more possible. And so Paul says, with this understanding... Even as we think about Lord's Supper this morning, uh, all that Christ has done for that, us, with, with that understanding, Paul says, we then strive for the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I got curious about this word bond, and so uh, I looked at the Greek word, and the Greek word for bond is fascinating. The New Testament word for bond was used elaborately in language of Paul's day. It was used in construction and architecture to describe the beam that held different parts of the building together. It was used in anatomy in Paul's day to describe ligaments 
that bind different parts of the body together. And it was used in grammar studies of the day to describe conjunctions. You ever watch Sesame Street with your children and remember the song Conjunction Junction? As they teach about the words and and but and or that are conjunctions and conjunctions serve to tie two parts of a sentence together. So that when the Apostle Paul is talking about the bond of peace and the unity of the Spirit, he's talking about that which is in the middle. Jesus Christ is the one in the middle. Jesus Christ is the one who holds us together. Jesus Christ is our beam, our connector, our conjunction, our ligament that ties all of the body into one. Now let me uh, give you a couple of examples of that so we won't linger too long on abstract words. Several years ago I was preaching a revival in South Florida and uh, Besides the evening services, there were morning Bible studies, and I was doing a Bible study on this very theme of fellowship, of how Jesus Christ makes us one, though we are many and though we are diverse. And uh, during the discussion time, a retired Presbyterian pastor raised his hand and shared this story. He said, I've been involved in helping refugees come to the United States here in South Florida and find a home and uh, Uh, Christians are connecting globally, and it's a wonderful ministry. He said, one day I picked up a Laotian family at the airport. They spoke their language. I didn't speak Laotian. Uh, They didn't speak English. He said, as we were driving along that long drive from the airport to where we were going to drop them off that would be their home for a while, he said, "I, I made several feeble attempts at, you know, sign language while I was driving. I made several feeble attempts at pointing at signs or trying to find some common ground, and nothing worked. And he said, finally, I hit upon something. I started singing Christian hymns. I started singing Christian choruses. And he said, all of a sudden, they started singing in, joining in in their language. And we found Jesus the connector. Jesus the bond of peace, the middle thing that ties us together. A couple of years ago, I was in Ukraine uh, doing some preaching and teaching at the seminary, establishing our partnership with our partner congregation there. And during one of the days, one of my colleagues from the States was teaching at the seminary, and I was seated beside Olog. Olog was a seminary student from Ukraine. He had his Bible open. I had my Bible open. We were both taking notes. And the speaker made reference to a verse of Scripture that is special to me and to many of us. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And as as the speaker had us turn to that Scripture, I noticed that Olog had the verse underlined in his Bible, and I had it underlined in my Bible. Because, you see, Jesus Christ was our connector. Jesus Christ was our thing in the middle. He was the one we worshipped and adored. And though we had nothing else in common, language, culture, background, education, 
we had Jesus Christ in common. We were one. Now, if you don't think the word one is important in the New Testament, if you don't think the word one is important in the Bible, then just find a concordance this afternoon and look it up. And as, as Ken showed us in the children's time, seven times the word one is used in verses four through six. And I want to show you on the screen, even though you have your Bibles, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Seven times the word one. And in the original Greek, they are not all complete sentences. They are phrases without verbs. That is to say, these are exclamations by the Apostle Paul. They're not theological treatise. They're not, they're not deep arguments. They are, they are exuberant worship phrases. They are choruses or hymns or poetry. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's the one that he wants us to focus on. And our unity in Christ, in this church and globally, our unity is not founded on common enthusiasm. Because sometimes some of us are up and sometimes some of us are down. Our unity in Christ is not built on feelings or emotion because they're fleeting. They come and go. Our unity in Christ is not built on our seeing the world the same politically because there are always differences of opinion. Jesus even called Simon the Zealot as a disciple who wanted to overthrow the Roman government, and he also called Matthew a tax collector for that Roman government. Our unity is not built on political ideology. Our unity is not built on doctrinal uniformity because there are many different understandings of application of Scripture. Our unity is built on the character and the person of the one indivisible God, the creator of the cosmos, the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Jesus is our unity. He's our middle thing. He's our connector. I mentioned the Baptist World Congress, which we attended. Um, one of the speakers shared movingly about his travels for Baptist World Alliance. It was John Upton who was the outgoing president the last, he finished a five-year term. He told about being in a refugee, refugee village where most of the people present were amputees because they were victims of landmines. And this, there's this refugee camp with all of these amputees but he said, you should have heard them worship. You should have heard them praising God, lifting their voices in adoration. You know why? Because they were not prisoners of the Lord, they were prisoners in the Lord, because they were living out the bond of peace, Jesus the connector, because they knew there was one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And as I heard that story about those amputees lifting up praise to God, I thought about us in the States. 
quibbling over worship styles, getting in each other's face about politics on Facebook, and struggling over petty grievances within our own fellowship. When Jesus Christ has called us to live out one Lord, one faith, one baptism, with praises to God, and it's easy to see why Paul would conclude this section of Scripture with this beautiful exclamation of the word all, from the word one to the word all. God and Father of all, above all, through all, and in all. That's his exclamation of praise because of the oneness in Jesus Christ. Say that phrase with me aloud. Let's say it together. God and Father of all, above all, through all, and in all. I'm not sure you meant it. Let's say it again. God and Father of all, above all, through all, in all. Amen.